Hey folks, Ty, Vince Corn Media. Hope you're having a great week. So today, Mike Tyson and I are following up on our sports card collapse videos that we did a week and a half ago. And we have plenty of comments, lots of great feedback, lots of not great feedback, not so great feedback. And that's okay, right? That's the point of these. Sometimes we're just presenting opinions and and, uh, and data and letting you respond to it. And, and today we're going to do more of the same. We're going to interject some of what Mike noticed at, at the national. And then also I'm going to interject some updated data um, through the end of July. So within the last 48 hours that I think is very relevant to the conversation. And I think gives us an even more defined perspective on what is, what is happening in modern day sports cards right now. So I think it'll be helpful. Um, and, and also we want to clear the confusion <laughs> from, from some of the comments we made in our first video. And I think it's important to note that there's no ulterior motives that uh, any of us have. It's presenting data, presenting what we're seeing. And, and sometimes we're interjecting our own opinions in that, of course, um, as you'd expect. But uh, we just want to respond to what we're seeing happening. And hopefully you understand that, you know, I, I'm heavily vested in the sports card world, both with modern day and older stuff now and my own personal collection. Obviously, Mike's heavily vested and that's not going to change. Um, at all, and same with Tyson, right? Tyson's uh, is very, um, is very connected and invested in the sports car world. So anyway, hopefully this is a fun conversation. Hopefully you enjoy it. It's a little bit long; it's an hour, uh, but uh, I think you'll enjoy the data that we're showing, and uh, we'll give you plenty to respond to in the comments. Thank you so much for subscribing. Thanks so much for liking or disliking our videos, and so much. Thank you so much for commenting below because it does it makes it worthwhile when you, um, you guys are constantly putting comments in there and, and, and making sure we come back and, and uh, respond to those and, and, and respond to those in the next videos, right? Subsequent videos like, like today's. So anyway, enjoy the video. See ya. What's up boys. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> I'm Walter Cronkite. Here I'm surprised you're still awake, Mike. I'm exhausted. Yeah. You're getting my last few saps of energy tonight before I go pass out after the show. Uh, well, thanks for uh, prioritizing us. Yes, I know you did and like being, a three million videos on your channel. I know being part of the backwards hat posse, it's good too. Hey, I had to go with the flow. <laughs> if you don't like Matt's or Mike's backward hat, click the thumbs up button on the uh, on the video. If you don't <laughs> like it, I like the reverse <laughs> psychology there. Good. Be sure to click the thumbs up. And subscribe. Uh, all right, guys. So tonight we wanted to we wanted to touch on the topic you and I talked about, Mike. Now over a week ago, but we're still getting plenty of texts and comments on, and that was the collapse of the hobby. Uh, but looking at it through the lens of the show just ended the national, and then I refreshed all kinds of data all the way up to August first, and I sent it to you guys already. We're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but a lot of, a lot of it reinforces what we've talked about and is somewhat frightening when it comes to like just the uh the predictions we made and a lot of people have made um about prices and and um just the supply and demand and stuff in the hobby so let, let's start with this now that you're you're back from the show mike all the craziness that was happening there do you feel more comfortable or less comfortable in your predictions that you made going into the national more comfortable. Why is and, that? Well, to clarify, 
you know, you and I were talking, I think some people misconstrued us that we were, and, and I see how that could have been the way we talked about it misconstrued. Uh, the whole hobby is collapsing 90%. The reality is we were mainly talking about ultra modern base cards, basketball, baseball, whatever. That's where I was really coming from. And we didn't articulate that very well and clarify that. And the vintage markets, a whole different animal in all sports. So I, I don't think it can be lumped in with what's happening in the ultra modern market. And so, and even, you know, like nineties inserts and stuff like that. I, I still don't think those are being graded in the volume that we're seeing the ultra modern cards graded. And that's where I think the supply demand dynamics really collapse pricing. And uh, I think that's what we're going to see still, even still after the national over the next six months, the energy at the show was amazing. Like just so much activity. What you guys didn't see, you've probably heard either through the, you know, social media world or whatnot. Dude, there were little mini shows happening in the lobbies of every hotel along the strip next to the Rosemont Center. I mean, it was nuts and lots of kids. And I mean, kids like 14, 16, 18, 20, 22 years old. I was walking down with a guy going to one. Of, I was going to a just a meet and greet, you know, old fat guy meet and greet, you know, where we're just going to sit and drink a beer and talk cards. 20 year olds coming down. He's got a Pelican. He's got his Pelican case. You know, they all have their Pelican cases and he opens it up and I, I'm like, well, what do you got in there? Are you going to trade night? And I was like, I didn't know there were a trade any trade nights tonight. This was on like Saturday night or Friday night. And he said, uh, yeah, there's one down at the Lowe's. I'm like, well, I'm going to Lowe's. Let's walk together and talk. And he had a RPA uh, Patrick Mahomes rookie and, you know, just like monster cards in this Pelican case. And I'm like, dude, how old are you? And he's like 20. And I'm like, holy crap, how'd you do that? And he goes, I started, I pulled a, like Carson went, I know Philip Rivers, he pulled a Philip Rivers rookie autograph or something five years ago. And he's built from there. He's literally just traded up, traded up, traded up, traded up. And I said, well, what do you collect? He goes, nothing. Oh, so why are you in the hobby? Because I make money. Okay. Now, again, that's one guy, right? That's not necessarily the the position of most of them, but yet, uh, you know, there's just a lot of these young movers and shakers. I don't yeah. know how to describe them. And they are out there literally, they're there for the high of the deal. I think they're genuinely there for the adrenaline rush that comes with making a big deal and feeling like they won and, and all of that stuff. There's a lot to that mindset for that generation. And uh, anyway, not that that's bad. I'm not even saying that's bad. It's we're here just to report what we're seeing and what's out there. And I think Ty, maybe you can speak to some other kind of things that were mm -hmm. coming up in the chat and the comments of our last video. Yeah. Well, I mean, first off in response to that kid that you met, which is crazy, right? You're carrying around, tens of thousands of dollars in cards, depending on how those are graded. My question always to those guys is what happens when you don't make money? And the response is we don't, we're not in the hobby anymore. Like we're not here. 
And that's, that's a lot of what you're seeing. And we'll show it here in a second. When you look at like sell-through rates and stuff on eBay and you start to see like cards not selling and then the number of sellers dropping off month after month after month, it's because you know what? They're not making money anymore. Uh, right. And so that's collapsing things. But um, Tyson, I know you're, you've got your finger on the pulse pretty good with kind of people um, in different circles than Mike and I do. What was kind of the feedback you got from folks at the show? Was it kind of lining up with what you heard with Mike? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it just seemed to me that a lot of the talk that I got was a lot of things where people are very like much more aware of comps, much more aware of what things are selling for, what they want to sell for. So things are generally put high, like, you know, sticker price doesn't mean a lot. A lot of times there's negotiation there, uh, but it seemed like a lot of sticker prices were high to start. Um, you know, if you want to move cards, you had to be willing to come 70, 80% under comps. I think on your podcast, Ty, you guys kind of talked about that as well. And that's kind of the most effective way to move them is to be under what you're expecting. A lot of fun still it just seemed like there was a good hobby feel. It still is kind of what you expect the national be in terms of people enjoying themselves, meeting up with people, making deals and all that kind of stuff. But, um, I do think there, there was some kind of pushback in terms of people's expectation of what they thought they would sell for. Um, and some people were like firm, like if I'm 200 over comps and firm, it's like, okay, I'm going to walk away, you know? <laughs> so I think there was some, just some interesting, uh, negotiations I heard, um, whether people are trying to scrape cause they're not getting the money they expected or all that kind of stuff comes into play. But a couple of my friends did pretty well. They, they sold a lot of their stuff and kind of wish they bought more before they left, but they kind of ran out of time. But overall, it seems like it's a good experience from different avenues for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, did you feel like from a negotiation standpoint, dealers were more were more tentative to be aggressive with prices this year or were they was it about the same as usual i, I wouldn't use the word aggressive everybody was flexible yeah. and i i didn't pay sticker for anything and most every almost i would say 90 percent of what i bought i bought below comps um but it wasn't like some significant discount below comps and there were a couple of cards I, I told Tyson earlier that I that I paid up for because they were nice examples of the card and the grade. So I was willing to pay even at or above comps, but still below sticker. So every sticker was like price to not sell it kind of thing. And right. not every sticker, but it was there were definitely hoping they would get the guy that had no idea what he was doing and just would pay whatever was on the sticker. Yeah. Um, and you had to just you just had to look. For deals i mean it again they were there it just they just weren't screaming at you like in previous shows where you could find them all over the place they were harder to find they were rare but they were there yeah yeah uh to that point so so you can go back and watch the, vi the video i have with marcel it's, it, i think it applies not just to the show but just the way didn't uh dealers think about doing business at, at a convention anyway he was saying that generally speaking, dealers look to pay about 60% of an eBay comp. That's the rate they, they try to pay. But he goes, this year, consistently, he was having to pay 70% to compete with other dealers that were buying, at least on day one and in, on, on day two. Um, day three, just in texting with him, it seems like it's definitely started to dry up a bit. Um, the, other, the other takeaway was he said he's never had so many people every 45 seconds come up and say, are you selling? I mean, are you buying? Are you buying? Are you buying? Are you buying? Yeah, everybody was selling cards. Everybody was walking up with their Pelican briefcases wanting to sell. Did you get that vibe when you were walking around the, the, the floor? hundred percent. 
that's the definition of a liquidation event, by the way, just so you everybody knows that what we were talking about in our last video. I think it's going to be an absolute liquidation event. That's what I coined when I, when we were talking, I was thinking this is going to be a liquidation event. Um, <laughs> people are wanting to unload their stuff for cash. They want to get liquid and hence the liquidation event. What was very annoying as a buyer and a consumer and a longtime card show attendee, you'd go to a table, it'd be two or three deep, you know, and there'd be some kid at the front with his Pelican case open and that there's maybe one or two people behind the booth. One guy's sitting there and the other guy's looking up comps to try to buy these cards while me wanting to get to the table and look at a card. Many times I just, well, I'll just go, I'll try to come back later and maybe, and I usually forgot or whatever, but it was very uh, flat out annoying, quite, quite frankly, that, you know, floor time on the, at a show is precious time. There's only so much floor time you get and you got a lot to do. You want to be efficient. I don't want to sit there and wait 20 minutes, 30 minutes for a deal to get done while they're looking up comps and trying to come to a negotiation, you know, back and forth, back and forth for a dealer buying cards at a show you're, they're supposed to be selling cards at. That's, you know, uh, and it is what it is. It's a business and I get it. But at the same time, it made my experience less enjoyable than it potentially could. And look, I'm not, I had a great time. So I don't want this to sound like I'm sitting here crying in my Wheaties. I'm not, I, I had a great time. I got all the <laughs> but that was just this kind of burr under my saddle that was constant. Yeah. All show. It was like that with the exception of Tuesday and early Wednesday, when there were no public people in there with their Pelican cases, it was way, way better. That's well, why I made most of my deals, quite frankly. Mike, was there, a, was there a good number of trading or was it just straight, I want to sell? Uh, from what I observed, it was mostly selling. Uh, at the trade nights, there was a lot of trade and cash kind of deals, you know, or for my buddies, they would want to be interested in a card and they might have a few cards with them that they might go, hey, I'll give you this. Plus, if you want to look at my stuff and see if I can add sweeten the deal with adding a couple of things to make the deal happen. But that's different to me than a guy just walking up and going, hey, what do you want to buy out of this? You know, they're actually trying to make a transaction besides card for cash. They're trying to buy another card off the person's shelf, so to speak. And to me, that's a lot more bearable and understandable than. Here's my Pelican case. I don't have a table. I'm just coming here to sell cards to whoever wants to buy them. That is, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Annoying. Yeah. Well, you've said annoying a few times. I think you were annoyed. No, I, again, I it is what it is. I can't <laughs> change it. And I'm glad to see the hobbies vibrant. I would totally use that word because these mm. trade nights were just bonkers thousands and thousands of people at the there was a guy in at the Lowe's we were there that night he was in his cherry red Corvette out in front with in his passenger seat with a monster box on the ground selling cards out of his Corvette oh my goodness I swear it was I, I can't make this up it's just crazy stuff it was crazy um Okay. All right. So one of the things that we said going into the show was that we thought it would be a liquidation event. We thought we, in fact, we thought the show would be kind of a, a fuel on the fire for the current 
collapse. We use the word collapse. People are taking that the wrong way. Modern day collapse. So coming out of the show, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how the market responds because that was a it was a big event. Do either of you think that the national could have potentially shifted the market and kind of re-energized folks to to kind of want to pay prices again? We're going to see a little bit more of a, a resurgence in modern day prices. Tyson, go first. Um, I kind of struggle because we're in a. I, I think football wise, we're going to see it just naturally because we're in training camps and football is picking up. So I do think football is going to be coming up just naturally. I'm kind of worried about baseball because I'm not seeing much pickup. So I guess to kind of answer your question, is national going to juice it or not? I don't think it's going to play a part in juicing it or not. I think that we're going to have the normal in between sports and whatnot, but I don't like now that national's over right now, we kind of have that little gasp for Eric's a lot of people are wore out <laughs> like you know Mike and then I think that we're gonna kind of hit the ground running with football at least and kind of go from there like usual I, I tend to agree with Tyson I don't think it's going to be a anything other than I think you might you might see the number the eBay numbers might reflect so many people in the hobby that would normally be buying cards that week at, at the show buying cards in person or trading cards but we still have this massive supply problem that guess what's going to happen this week? Another 185,000 cards are going to leave PSA and go out into the market. And that's going to happen next week and the week after that. And SGC is now talking about cranking out 2,000 cards a, a day and they want to do even more. You know, they're trying to scale. I, I interviewed Peter from SGC for Bench Clear. He's like, now we got to just scale the damn thing. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, let's just in, inject more plastic into the world. Uh, so I just think that the problem isn't the enthusiasm for the hobby. The problem is supply demand, basic economics. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, that, that's a good segue. Well, let's talk a little bit about some data here and you know, we, we, we sometimes get caught into the trap of thinking that certain brands or cards, Tyson, you know, I'm, I'm insinuating like 1819 prism, 1920 prism, where we think, hmm, there's not as many as we think out there, right? And then you see the PSA pop reports and you look at it in comparison and I'll go ahead and flip over and I'll show, I'll show folks that are watching. Um, this is, so I track the top 650-ish current players in baseball, football, and basketball. And I, I look at their values and their PSA, current PSA, 10 population counts every two weeks. And I've done that since, uh, I've done it for about a year. So if you look at this, you can see this, is, and I, I have them sorted by the number of PSA 10s. You can see, <laughs> we've been deceived. There is a lot of prison basketball. There is a lot of tops flagship out there. And when you think about it in context of like, this is just gym PSA tens. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. What is your, when you look at it, when you look at data like this, it helps you understand how hard it is to sustain prices, right? Cause you're adding, I mean, we're basically adding 500 or so Zion, Acuna, Soto's, Doncic every two weeks to the PSA 10 gym count every two weeks. Like there's no, no market can consume that. I shouldn't say that. 
the current market cannot absorb that type of supply being injected into the hobby. What are your thoughts on this right here? And I can scroll through this as we're talking, but you guys I have both be, seen it. My initial thought looking, and I've seen it already, but how many baseball players are in the top 20? I thought it'd be much more top loaded with basketball. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, there you go. It's reds, baseball, blues, basketball. Um, it's, it's pretty evenly split with baseball and basketball. This, the scary thing is right. When you look at football, you don't even see a guy until number 34. Right. And you got drew, <laughs> drew lock in my Z, uh, <laughs> drew lock, man, I would have uh, lost that on the bingo wheel. I would have not picked Drew Lock. <laughs> I, I promise. Uh, yeah. Well, what's the next? How many bowl bowls there are? That's a lot of bowl bowl. Right. No, I mean, Aristides yeah, Aquino. I mean, hey, my Tyson, gosh. Tyson, yeah. what do you think about the top heaviness of it? I think that's <laughs> also quite fascinating. Yeah, definitely. It was kind of before the show we talked about it a little bit. I think there's definitely a shelf, and I think that shelf just kind of and I'm kind of eyeballing here is about 2018 and on. There's a pretty big shelf of 2018 cards and on where the pop seems to be heavier. Um, you know, you got Zion, Cunha, Soto, Luca, Jaw, Tatis, Alonzo, Lux. I mean, all those guys are 18 products or higher. So it's a really big chunk in that window of where we're at. And then the other thing is just baffling to kind of look at when you look at like. Gliber's the 10th biggest pop and he's selling for $24. So he's not, <clears throat> he's not covering his cost. And I think that's, I think when you guys talk about, you know, the market crashing or these big words that people are getting upset about, it's not the market's crashing. It's getting to the supply demand line. Like it's, we're getting overpopulated. And so prices are coming down and that's just the way it's going to be. And we have to correct from that. Um, and the thing that scares me the most, you know, Mike, what you said, PSA still has seven to 8 million in their log still. And so these numbers are pretty shocking to look at and they're only going up, especially the 2020 guys. So uh, that's kind of my first little synopsis on it. You know, I feel I'm watching, I'm looking at this and I feel really bad for Ty with his 1000 PSA 10 Gavin Luxes. I feel really bad for him because <laughs> that's just terrible. Ty, that was a bad call on your part, man. Um, yeah. You wish I would have made a bad call like that. So you could have upset me in the old investment investment but contest. Here's a question for all of us is, and we this got brought up in our last thing too. It's like we're, people are thinking that we are trying to either influence and or root for one direction or another in the hobby. And I, I would say that's ridiculous because I'm looking at all those cards. I literally don't own a single one of them in a PSA 10. So I have no dog in the fight at all. And so it, it, it's ridiculous to think that we have an agenda here. People are still, even if we say we don't have an agenda, they're going to think we have an agenda. Because if we're saying we don't have an agenda, then we obviously must have an agenda. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We're trying to just present information. Yep. This is just the reality of it. I'm not rooting for the hobby collapse. I'm not happy if that happens are you doing a quick uh yeah go ahead keep talking no no i'm just thinking about um our what do we want out of this the answer is nothing we're just simply presenting information and what does that maybe mean for people to think about you know we're just trying to give people hey 
if you're not aware of this, this is happening. Like it, don't like it, doesn't matter whether you like it or not, this is happening and here's what's going on. And so we're just trying to be informative, you know? When I look, when I look at it too, like we, you know, doing my football show, I've always like the football pops are always lower. They always have been lower. Um, that's just, that's consistent. So I'm not shocked by that, but then you kind of think about everybody's told the story of that. You're going to get in a break. You're going to get base cards. You're going to grade them. And they're going to be three or four or five X on their raw value after you grade them. And you can see when you look at like Brandon Clark is graded more than Bryce Harper. <laughs> You know, so you're like, okay, so right there is a perfect example of people Who chasing a guy that had some traits that he fell off. Brandon Clark selling for now, what's it, Ty? Uh, 2250 And so what's that going to do for people? And I think that's a really good illustration of people going with a trend that's now being snapped back a bit. And so it's like, I can't believe that he has more graded cards than Bryce Harper. That's just nuts. Who is Brandon Clark? He's a guard for the grizzlies maybe a what is he a three tie a three yeah i mean he's doesn't even start never yeah, right? gonna, never right. gonna make it that's what i say went to gonzaga right. <laughs> yeah i so, mean I, I just did a quick calculation right there's 330 of the 560 cards in this list are priced over 30 dollars so that means 200 and you know 200 of these so 40 percent of them are priced below the cost of actually grading the card <laughs> at old price levels right right at pre-shutdown price levels right yeah yeah exactly now seeing this tide is like i know we're kind of showing that the base cards are definitely mm -hmm. have, are overpopulated do you think that like 17 and before you would still be okay grading base because they seem to be a little bit safer on pop or is it are we because I don't want to say all base cards, right? Like base card games dead because it clearly looks like it's an 18 and above for me when I look at the, the pop here. Well, I think, I think the conundrum, and I just use the word conundrum, uh, is that wax is so expensive now for anything pre-2018. So for you to go get a base card, unless you buy it you know, raw on eBay or something or at a show, to go rip wax and grade base, it's so cost prohibitive because of how expensive wax is. But if so you buy certain, a, oh, sorry, Ty, go ahead. I was just going to say, so at a certain point, right, one of the declining price and base cards will eventually start to drive down the cost of wax or the, the market price of wax. Um, but, you know, we've talked about this before, like the wax is the one thing where there is a declining supply. Every time a pack is ripped or a, bro a break is done, there's one less available for, for you to rip. So always said if you're you're investing in investing in a, in a rookie class or a rookie like it's better to hold the wax than it is to hold the graded base <laughs> um i would say also if you if you look at any base card from 2010 to 2017 and it's raw the first thing you should ask yourself is why hasn't this been graded yet mm. right i mean oh, yeah 100 percent Newer cards, maybe not, you know, they just got pulled or whatever, but anything 2010 to 2017, if it's a hot rookie or whatever, why is this sitting in someone's raw box that you can pick up? There's a reason. Yeah. It would have already been graded. Yeah. yeah. For sure. You know, one other thing to keep in mind, like this is just PSA and right. you've already mentioned SGC, right? SGC is an up and coming player. BGS owns a decent side of the market size of the market share as well. I mean, they're, 
there's a substantial amount of these cards out there. And, and I get that there's more cards being sold on, you know, just that on eBay, there's cards sold at shows and in other marketplaces. eBay's obviously the, the big kahuna, but this is just PSA. There, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing to like start to do the ratios and to think, okay, what would it actually take to really move the price on this? And I wish I, I'll pull this comment up when we edit this and I'll show it. But um, somebody made a comment and, and I'm, I'm trying to think of who it was, but, and it was a great comment in our video. It was, it was, it was, um, it was triple crown JT. He said something along the lines of it's really easy to look at these values and even come up with, you know, a market cap, right? And a market cap is just looking at a value times the pop report and come up with some, you know, some calculated number. But what we don't think about, which is so true, is just because like that's the value of it doesn't mean you can sell it for that. There's so many out there that every time someone buys one or negotiates on one, uh, and they negotiate a dollar lower, the next guy negotiates a dollar lower than that. And for you to think that if you, oh, if you have a hundred Zion Williams says you can go sell them for $400 each right now, it's not the truth, right? Because it doesn't mean there's a hundred buyers. It just means that was the last sold price. And I think that's the, that's the thing that we have to start understanding more is where are the new buyers going to come from? Because like the guy you met on the street, who, if he doesn't make money or doesn't see the ability to make money on that next card, he doesn't buy it. And if Mike is not storing it in his collection and buying it, who's the buyer? That's a Definitely. great point. Great point. Um, I think by 2022, every American in, will, will have a Zion Williamson PSA 10. <laughs> we'll have that many. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm really interested from your tie uh, your show tied the biggest asked about guy was Herbert, and he's in around 1500 right now, and I think there's a lot of Herberts in PSA. So I'm wondering where that 2020 Prism uh, base cards are going to settle because you look at Kyler's around 2200. I could see that being I think he can get close to 2700. I don't think he's going to hit 3K. Uh, I'd like to see where that 2020 Prism class is going to fall because you obviously saw how big it got with Zion. Here's my prediction with with Herbert. I think he's at 5,000 PSA 10s within the next two months. I think his pop count explodes. And, but is 5,000, see, that's where it is. Is, is 5,000 too big for football? Because the 5,000 were out with Trout, right? So it's like, what was 5,000 going to mean to the collectors? Is yeah. that going to be too high or too low? Well, in all fairness, the trout is a very tough gem. Right. Yep. Yeah. It's gem rate is tiny. Well, I mean, yeah, Lamar Jackson had a 22% gem rate on his prism base. I mean, it's, and he's only, he's way, he's not even, I don't even see him on here. He's probably way down there. 800, I think, is what his. Lamar Jackson is right around 800, right around by Mahomes and Mayfield. But yeah, definitely gem rate matters. I think that'll probably be people paying closer attention to that for sure. So let me, let me, let me show you something else. I want to see what you guys' response is to this. Cause I think it, it hammers home a point that we're trying to make here. So one thing that I, I kind of mentioned earlier in, in passing was this idea of sell through. So if anyone has an eBay account, you can go in, if you have a, a seller's account, um, I think you might have to store to do this. Maybe not. 
you can click research on one of your tabs. Mike, have you ever done this? Or Tyson, you've done this, I'm assuming? No? Okay. Well, if you click research, it takes you into the Terapeak technology inside of eBay. It's the platform where you can basically run analytics on historical data on eBay up to a year. So you can look back a year. And I, I've run these reports for, gosh, a long time. It used to be a standalone platform. Now it's embedded inside of eBay. Well, if you, if you go search on something and you go back and look in different periods of time, it'll show something called a sell-through rate. And the sell-through rate is the percentage of the items that were listed during that time frame that actually sold. And during very hot periods in the market, you see our sell-through rates skyrocket. I mean, we were, we were in the 20 30% rates back in late 2019, entering 2020. And then all of a sudden, we started really shooting through the roof. So if I show you this, um, you, can, you can actually just visualize this with me. You can see. Is his audio weird to you, Tyson, or is it just me? I thought it was a little cutty. I wasn't sure if it was from my end or not, but it should be okay. okay. Oh, sorry about that. So, so this, is, um, this is the last 12 months. So if you look at sell-through rates, and so that the top line is all PSA 10 cards on eBay. The bottom line is all PSA cards, period, on eBay. So, I mean, hundreds of thousands of cards. But back in August of 2020, which was arguably the hottest time in the card market that we've seen in the last 10 years, we were seeing a sell-through rate of 66% of the cards. So... 66% of the cards, PSA 10 cards listed on eBay were selling. Over, you can see like that purple line every month has trickled down. We're now at a 30% sell-through rate in July, all the way up to July 31st. You look at all PSA cards, we were at 38%, which is still, I mean, it's pretty high considering it's every grade, every year, vintage, modern, every sport. We're all the way down to a 20% sell-through rate on PSA cards now. You have a one in five chance of selling your PSA card right now on eBay. That's Is that auctions or buy it nows or how does that includes work? all of them. Anything listed. Okay. And if it's if it's rotated in that cycle, that time period, it counts. Does the does the amount of new platforms play a part in that at all? In terms of and you're I'm just being devil's advocate in terms of people are buying cards other places now. Does that come into play? Like the card flip. Yeah, card flip. Go check out the card flip. Yeah, Starstock, like uh, yep. even Facebook sales, well, my slabs. Yeah, and, and, and again, I, I, I think it could, but the reality is when someone lists a card, they, they should have the awareness to know what the prices are. Um, so right. if they're listing the prices too high, then that's on them, right? I mean, they're probably looking at comps. They're probably getting offers. And they're getting afraid because they're buying high and they don't want to sell low would be my gut reaction to that, right? It's still, it's still a buy-sell marketplace. It's not like you can't negotiate with a, with a, with a buyer. But yeah, it, it could be, right? You could have buyers leaving the marketplace in eBay. couldn't you say, I mean, wouldn't you, we could all be pretty pragmatic and say that the reality is all of those other places combined that Tyson's talking about are still a smidgen of the market share of what's actually transacting. 
it's still eBay by, I mean, if it was a hundred yard dash, they would have already won. And the other guy would just be getting off the blocks, you know, in terms of volume. So maybe some Tyson, you know, but I don't think it's enough to really skew these numbers. Right. eBay is big enough that it's still a clear picture. Correct. Yeah. But that's a good point to bring up from a, to make sure we're not dismissing that completely. We're addressing it, talking about it. So, yeah, I, I think what my takeaway when I look at this is, is that during the run up that we had, we had a lot of those like fringe kind of like marginal buyers that we normally wouldn't have seen, but were entering into the marketplace because they thought, okay, it's a quick flip. It's easy. And prices kept going up and up and up. And you started to lose those guys because it got really expensive. And I think the fringe marginal buyers, like they, they left, they left like September, October of last year, and they're not coming back into the hobby. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, where is that floor at? Where are we going to start to see the next round of like solid buying happen? And it's just unprecedented because we've never had this many graded cards of certain eras in the, in the sports card marketplace. We had the junk wax era, but it wasn't graded. Now we have the junk wax era with graded. How's the market going to accept that? It's the junk slab era. <laughs> it is. That's what it's going to yeah. be. We're going to call this the junk slab era when we're five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, we're going to look back and go, oh yeah, that was the junk slab era. Hmm. That's what we're going to call it. Um, I got a question about this, Ty. So, because this is all PSA cards, every sport, every everything, right? Is that Mm -hmm. what you're talking about here? Yep. Could it be that it shifts... I wish we could segregate it by sport because, you know, eBay doesn't do that anymore. They used to do that. Mm-hmm. It'd be in, very interesting to see what the sell-through rates are by sport. Cause you could certainly probably track it along seat cause it's very seasonal, right? We, yep. we know that all the different seasons, um, is it possible again, playing devil's advocate like Tyson that right now is a slower season in the overall or slower period in the overall sports market. I mean, we have the Olympics and baseball going on right now. That's pretty much it, right? So, and I don't think there's a lot of PSA 10, you know, Simone Biles cards being sold. So, or being graded. Um, I'm so, impressed you knew that name. Dude, she's, well, she's hurt, but she's awesome. Uh, anyway, I could go into the balance beam and the parallel unparalleled bars. <coughs> Can you wheel in your balance beam? I know you have one in the hallway. You could do some stuff for us. I'm going to actually do That's my next video. <laughs> that, now that will get views. That will right. really open up the old audience, the demographics. But could it be just we're in a slow period of sports and that has led to this versus just an overall increase of supply, decrease in demand? I think to jump in, I think I definitely think we're in a slow spot and we're also in a holding breath spot. And we know that is all these people about to get these PSA bills as well. With all that backlog, people are kind of a little bit scared to buy when they know a bill's coming and they have a lot of cards there that aren't close to what they thought they were. So I think there's a lot of just like holding breath right now. And so people are just really uneasy. At least I am. I have a lot of cards in PSA right now. So I'm buying little things here and there, but I'm definitely taking it back because I'm just 
all my stuff's tied up. Can't really do much. And so I think that might be the case for a lot of people. I think we said that, Ty. Didn't we say that might be a problem for the hobby? I think we did. Think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, a, that's a really good point, though. That, that, uh, August is important. August, I mentioned this earlier, August was a very big month for us last year in the hobby. It'll be interesting to loop back four weeks from now and digest the numbers in August and see if this graph starts to come back up a little bit. If it doesn't start to correct itself really soon, I mean, I, I think <laughs> I think you should be really concerned if you got a lot of those cards coming back, and I already am concerned. And again, there's no ulterior motive here, right? Where I'm a big collector and heavily invested in this. Looking at the data, it's pretty darn scary. I I have two questions for you, Mike. As when you look at when you start to like look at commodities in the market, especially. Um, you know, like commodities, like sports cards. I know one of the things that you can measure that will really help to understand where the market's going is velocity, like the velocity of sales, the velocity of transactions. And you look like level two quotes and stuff, and you can start to see velocity in the stock market. How important in sports cards is the velocity of transactions? I think way less. Well, think about in in tune with that is you want to see also, in, especially in a stock, let's say, because it's a market, right? The the market to kind of use as a some type of parallel to this. But when I you know you're putting in an order, if you can see behind it and see what orders are below it, you know, like how many are waiting to scoop up that stock at a because you can put in you know a limit order and say, man, if it, if that stock dips to here, I'm buying them. I'm going to buy as many, you know, you've got all this money ready to come in and jump in on that bargain that is perceived, that perceived bargain. I'd be curious to know, there's no, I don't know how you would figure this out, but is there's got to be a point where people go, that's just too cheap. I bought a Kobe, I bought a Kobe Bryant rookie at the national because I, I bought a PSA nine for 250 bucks and I'm like, that's too cheap, you know? That's a, um, a steal. I'm a Kobe collector. That's a steal. I was wearing a ski mask when I bought it. Um, <laughs> I stole it. But no, I just thought that's too cheap. You know, I, and there will be a point in the card market where no matter who you are, you're going to go, that's too cheap. You know, and regardless of supply, regardless of those these other factors that are weighing down currently on the market, but I think that takes some time. I think there's still a lot more flushing of the toilet to happen here. I don't think this is far from over. I think people are like, oh, are we hitting the bottom? And I just don't, I don't think we're hitting the bottom in terms of where prices are going to go on the ultra modern stuff that we're talking about here. Because of, it's not just there's going to be a little more supply. Tyson mentioned it earlier. There's again, a tsunami of slabs. I've said it. It's, it's, I said it last time. It's, it's still coming. That, those haven't stopped and we're in about 8 million cards. We'll be able to tell you where the bottom is, you know, cause <laughs> we'll see how, what the mix is of that, that backlog, how much of it is, are these players from 2018, 2019, 2020, really probably 2019, 2020 guys that have been just super flooded PSA. I mean, God, I hate to be the grader that's got 
500 Luis Robert rookies sitting on his desk to grade. I mean, that just sounds mind numbing. And that's, I think that's, that's out there. If we think it's not, I think we're naive that there were plenty of people that did that. Right. Um, so what's behind it? Where's the, the floor is going to come when people go, man, that's just too cheap. Yep. And, and there will, that will be, there will be a point where that happens. I just, don't think we're there yet. We're not even close, really, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and, and it was kind of a loaded question because I've, I've started to dig into, like, what does the velocity of cards look like? And, and the only way you can really measure that is to look at the quantity of transactions for a specific card or product. And I've started to track that for some of the top players month by month. And if you start to look at, and, and I'll have more of this data next time we talk about this, but... I mean, some of the big-time players like the Zions, the Lucas, the Juan Sotos, who is having a great year, right? Now he is. I mean, if you look from basically August, September of last year, I mean, they're down in terms of the number of cards, graded cards being sold on eBay. They're down like 60%. And it's a month-over-month-over-month drop all the way up to yesterday. So although the prices are dropping, we're not seeing like all of a sudden transactions pick up. We're seeing like prices drop and the transactions that are being completed drop too. So the velocity is dying off in some of these cards, which is probably the most concerning thing to me of any of this data is that if the price keeps dropping, eventually you would think the market says, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go buy some of this stuff up, but they're not. Is the 60% you said, is that from August to August? August to Ju end of July. We don't have August day yet. But, I mean, this, my point is, is that that kind of gets us out of the idea of saying that we're kind of a weird off season because you went from a point where we were in that same location. Yeah. So like that idea that, oh, it's just a bad time of the year. Well, we started the data in the bad time of year. So I think that's something to think about too. Yeah. Well, I mean, shoot, even if you look at January this year to July <clears throat> for basketball players or baseball players, I mean, I'm looking now you're at, Luca's down 45%. Um, Acuna and Soto are down 60% in volume. Sells volume. So, um, sorry, I feel like I'm just throwing bad data after bad no, data at you. Okay, well, think about, you got me thinking now. That's, hold on, I got to I gotta get That's my- That's a first. I know, dangerous for sure. Uh, at the least, it's dangerous. Um, things keep selling- velocity goes down there's a floor people go yeah but if the supply is so much bigger it can't really rebound in price because you can still go get them they're just so plentiful that's that's I, that's what i that's what my con real concern is yeah this is an awful analogy but so the other day, so we, we have chickens now and we have hen uh, hens that are dropping eggs right out in our chicken coop we were running low on eggs last week and we're at the farmer's market and it was like, I don't know, six bucks for a dozen. And we're like, we could get these eggs for six bucks or we could wait till tomorrow when we produce more for their own chickens. How bad do we want them? I feel like it's basically the same situation that we're seeing with these base cards. People are like, wait, I can get a Zion for 400 bucks or tomorrow or next week, there'll be 200 more PSA 10 sitting in the market. I'll just wait. Yeah. And continuing with that analogy, we have chickens too out at the ranch. So we have some, that's very cool. My dad went out there today. He sent me a picture 
my wife was out there Saturday because I was at the show. There are 13 eggs in there. And here's the point. More and more, at some point, I'm going to get sick of eating eggs. Like at some point, the market's going to get sick of just another Zion rookie or, you know, any name your player. Like you're going to go, I don't want to eat that anymore. I want to eat something else. I'm going to go to a different player. Like seriously, you get, okay. I don't care if they keep producing and they can produce them all day. I'm not going to buy them. You know, uh, it's just unappealing, hmm. nauseating even. That's how I feel about some of these modern, super modern cards. Nauseated. Mm, man, we do some good words tonight. Tyson, do you have any anything to add about the chickens and eggs and what came first? And <laughs> I was just crunching some numbers, so I try to tune off the nonsense a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> I uh, just we get in that conversation about market cap, and I just did real quick of right now Trout's market cap, and you and I talked about this tie on the rookie report is about seventeen million, and so that realistic expectation for a Soto if Soto gets to that market, it would be nine seventy two on his pop report. So to kind of let that kind of sink in in terms of these modern cards having these cap ceilings because of the pop. If Soto ever got to a trout market cap, he his card would be nine hundred and seventy dollars. That's the best it's going to get, and I think that's important for people to understand. Hmm. Why why do you call that a ceiling? I'm just curious more than anything because I don't do a lot of this <clears throat> analytic stuff. Um, well, why do you call that a ceiling? That the trout's the ceiling. Because right now, Trout's the top rookie card that we know in terms of value. And so his, you know, just extrapolating his to where it's at, his has actually been higher. It's actually low right now. So just to me, it's like a kind of good bar. And I think a lot of people collect baseball rookie cards. They're hoping it's the next Trout. But that value is a little bit misleading is my point. Mm. So does that mean you think Trout's still overvalued or that – that's another discussion just because of his injuries and whatnot, but still a lot of his stats are still generational. The things he's done in his time is still generational, even with the injuries and the things that he's struggled through. But uh, that's, that's a different conversation, I think, but just, he's the number one baseball rookie card right now of active players. So Gavin right behind him. <laughs> he's <Gavin> close. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a good point. And I love that. That's the one reason I like using market cap because I feel like it puts things in a very clear perspective. Yeah. You know, like this is what the market may want to spend on a guy because they're willing to spend theoretically $27 million on Mike Trout. Yeah. If Soto's the next Trout, that means they're going to spend X amount of dollars on Juan Soto. But it's probably not fair considering the pop counts like 100 times more. Here's a question for you two. If, I know like if you think about what we just went through with COVID and stock prices and they fall in earnings falling, like earnings drive stock prices, performance drives player player prices, right? We, we could kind of maybe equate that performance on a stock on a company is their, is their earnings. And if you think, okay, what's cool is if you have a, after four quarters, that bad quarter now is not part of the equation or that really super quarter that may have overinflated and, it, and it's down from that. Can't you say the same about these numbers in another few months? If you look at the year over year, the August numbers will have fallen off. You might actually see that eBay sell through rates are up over the last 12 months. I mean, is that, does that play into it at all? It certainly does. Cause you think in earnings are like 
stocks you go well year over year they're up 44 percent well they might have mm -hmm. just it might have just been timing of a bad quarter that is on the book still that may fall off and vice versa is that true with do you think people follow this data that heavily that they go oh man things are trending in the right direction well no because they fell off a cliff and now you're you're going up from the bottom of the cliff right it only looks good because it's misleading because you're you're narrowing your time frame or you're looking at a arbitrary period of time that really doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So in other words, we next year, this time we'll be comparing against this year where we're at a brand new floor and it's going to look really tasty. If you, right. if you use the same metrics, right. Right. And go, oh, I, look at the trend. We're trending so much higher. But if you look two years back, you'll go, oh, we're still 50% below where we, or whatever, you know, whatever the numbers end up being. It, it's all about perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it'll be interesting because it'll, it'll come down to who's, who's still in, in the marketplace, right? If it's, if it's the same 10,000 new or 10 million new 22 year olds who got burnt in 2021. It might not matter, right? Because they're just all, they're out. But if it's Tyson, me and you looking at it and we're like, yeah, actually this looks pretty, pretty good now. <laughs> Probably a different story, right? But there's, there's only a, a handful of us compared to like what really moves the market or what it's needed to move the market with these pop counts. That's my gut. I don't know. And Tyson. you said it earlier and I think it's the key factor that I don't think people understand who's going to be buying these cards a month from now, two months from now, as there's what two months from now, there will be another 1.5 million, two months from now, 1.5 million new PSA cards alone. Forget BGS, forget SGC, CGC, HGA, ABC, XYZ company grading cards. <laughs> Who's buying? You're right, Ty. You have to ask who's going to buy this. Sorry, sorry. That is so. That was the most accurate statement I've said because it's a bunch of crap. But um, sorry, I get emotional because I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me why anybody would be chasing after this crap right now. Um. So let me throw a couple other things out here for you, real quick, and then I want to leave. I'm going to leave you guys with one last question, and Mike, this will be a good one for you. But the number of PSA sales in the sports card category um, January was 449,000. February is 515,000. March was the all-time high at 550,000 PSA cards sold in the sports card category. Every month since March, we've declined substantially we're all the way back down to 362,000 so basically back at September's numbers of last year so although we're adding 1.5 million cards every 60 days we're now back down to 362,000 total PSA cards sold just let that sink in for a bit uh the other thing that we don't really talk about much is the number of sellers we're back to September and August levels of last year for the number of sellers selling PSA cards. So a lot of those sellers that were funneling into the market in the beginning of the year, they're not here anymore. <laughs> they're not selling cards. 
And why do you think that might be Tyson? Maybe you can, why would someone decide? And so what you're saying, Ty, is people with an active listing right now, is that kind of maybe what yeah. defines that? With, with a sold listing. Sold listing. Okay. So Tyson, why would somebody say, no, thanks. I'm not doing that anymore. I think, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think it can be as much as losing money on what they bought. I think it can be the eBay issues. People are having returns. I think there's a lot of just unhappiness in that process right now that can drive a lot of people away. Um, but, and then also just, it's like you said, it's simple supply, right? If there's 20 people buying Acunas, but a hundred are listed, you got a one out of five chance being chosen. And if you're not going to budge in price, you're not going to sell it. And so I think a lot of people are just getting exhausted of trying to keep up with going under what they hope for. And so they just say, I'm out of here. Like I'm going to try to sell on Facebook or other places, or I'm just going to hold and just see if this passes. And so I think that's kind of my estimated guess. <laughs> I think it's door number three. I think they're going to, I think they're holding, but I think they don't want to hold. I think it's a forced hold, right? I mean, they would sell them if they could, if they could find a buyer at their price, they would sell. Yeah. It's and, just kind of, kind of like tie with Lux. He can't sell now. It's just too cheap. We yeah, to, he's he's, he's got a hold. <laughs> uh, you know what he's doing, Tyson? He's taking all of Gavin Lux PSA 10s and he's tiling his new floor. At his ah. new house. He's going to do that with Gavin Lux slabs. That's cheaper than tile, you know, $10 a, a slab. That's, that's pretty cheap. <laughs> uh, You're muted, Ty. You're muted. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, for the record, I did not go big into Gavin Lux. And, and having tiled floors with the PSA slabs would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about um, your bathroom, like your shower in PSA slabs? That would be <laughs> I'm sure your wife would love that. that would be uh, yeah. She, uh, yeah. I'm going to do that just as a joke. And I'm going to put plexiglass over it so that it doesn't really damage the cards that would be just so funny if somebody did that as a joke look how many of these i can find oh i'm so doing that. i'm gonna go buy i'm gonna waste the money on gavin lux psa 10s and tile my whole shower with it that'll be i think uh, definitely a guest bathroom that'd be hilarious people come and stay yeah i gotta take a shower <laughs> the scary thing is, it'll, be cheaper than, it'll be cheaper than tile at this that's point what I'm saying. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, okay so here's my last question uh for you mike so and, and I think of this in terms of like the stock market where, where let's just say the stock market declines 40, 50%, whatever, right? We see a crash in the stock market. And some people would say, okay, because of inflation, you would gravitate towards safe havens like gold and commodities. And now maybe nowadays it's crypto, whatever. But what we saw in the last crash last March was that regardless of the commodity you were in or whatever investment you're in, like everything tanked with the market tanking. I think when the market went up in sports cards last the last year and a half, it rising tide brought vintage up. I don't think you'd argue with that. If if the Not modern right. day market continues to kind of crater, how does that affect vintage? It'll does it bring it back down to reality? It will ultimately drag it down, but not as far as I think modern can drop. I think there's a there's enough of a demand because of re, real scarcity not fabricated scarcity that especially in the kind of collector grade and above cards, you're going to find those are always liquid. You're always going to be able to find a buyer for those. If those get too cheap, they get snapped up very quickly. Yeah, the think of it as the high quality stock, high dividend paying high quality stock. Those, 
those have a hard time. They, they will go down. They just won't go down as much as the high flyer that, you know, goes nuts. You know, the small cap, micro cap stock that just gets Robin hooded, you know, because people are talking about it or whatever. What was that thing? Reddit? Yeah, they got Reddited or whatever. That mark, the vintage market doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Um, I'll be buying all day if I can find cheap vintage at good prices, high quality vintage. Okay. I can't argue with that. That would be good because you would be wrong. <laughs> but I will find data to prove you wrong. No, I'm kidding. That's no, that, and I, and I've, I've wondered that, right? Like, how, what is it going to take to bring down non modern cards? And we already saw it with the 90s and 80s stuff, right? It collapsed really quickly when they realized, oh, there's actually a lot of that crap still sitting out there that we can go grade. <laughs> there's not a lot of 50s, 60s, 70s stuff that you can go grade. So it's hard to collapse those prices because it's scarcity. Vintage stuff is down a lot. Yeah. It's down yeah. a lot from the peak. And the peak for vintage was actually around February. Hmm. So it was different than the August peak that you're showing. The vintage price peak was actually in February, January, February. Some in, some of them into March. And they were the, they became the safe haven, and it's like okay, everything sucks now. Now I just need cash because I've got to pay off my credit card bill or I've got to pay off my PSA bill, and even those had to get liquidated. I, again, I was seeing 30, 40, 50, 60 percent drops in major vintage cards, not just rookie cards across the board. And, uh, that that's not slow. I mean, it's slowed down, but it's still going like things are, things are cheaper at the national than they were two months ago, a month ago. And I actually, I mean, we sounded, everybody thought we were all giddy because the market was collapsing. No, we're not. I just, if I'm a buyer, though, I'm I'm the opportunity is going to be there. I'm not unhappy about it. What is that? So this is uh this hits home your point really well. That same data for PSA 10 with green line and PSA, all PSA sales. This is the average sales price of all those transactions on eBay. February 569 is the peak <laughs> average PSA 10 price for every every era, every sport. All PSA peak 321 in February. <laughs> I, I saw that and I'm like, that was the peak. And that was pretty, I didn't even know that data. That's pretty good. Um, and I'm seeing, see, it's, it's not a like cratering line. And I, and I would say that's pretty reasonable of what the vintage market is doing. If you were to relate it to the vintage market, it's come down a lot, but it's the pace of decline has slowed. Yeah. And it's just back to October levels, right? right? If you look at it that way. So, yeah. We said 30 minutes worth an hour. And I know we got crying kids, Tyson. Mine keep popping in. So <laughs> I know you've been, you've been doing a good job of oh, managing gotta, yours. So thank you. Got to manage it. Got to have the fun and keep the kids happy. It's part of it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the last point just real quick was that I'm interested to see. I know a lot of people's approach to breaking was I can play, I can pay this price to break and grade my base and keep playing. I'm really interested in what happens with breaking going forward because I don't think the base game's worth it anymore. So what are people going to do breaking wise to sustain? 
that's the last thing I'll leave you with. <laughs> mm. Interesting. I haven't thought about the breaking, the aspect of breaking and how that, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see which points we made in this video that people completely take out of context. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it will happen we know it but that's hey there's a lot of data we showed a lot of data tonight data we didn't make up right this is raw data straight from ebay so yeah i'm, I'm quite cool. confident the biggest complaint we're gonna get is from a lux fan what's wrong with lux <laughs> that's how it's gonna go <laughs> can't hit a slider that's his problem but hey yeah dang it gosh darn it uh all right boys good to see you back mike tyson thanks for jumping on yeah, i appreciate you guys See you guys. See yeah. ya.